0: One, and, action. Yo, what is good? Yo.
1: What's up? Everyone, uh, welcome to the Extra Credit Podcast. Uh, you know, I'm Dawson. I got my boys, uh, Eric Potsey. I got Dylan, Dylan with me, on the way, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dylan, Dylan, on the way, Dylan. Um. Yeah, we're here with the uh, number one collegiate podcast in North America. Uh, Psych, but I mean, I'll call it that as long as I can. The number one college Call of Duty podcast in North America. I don't know. I might be competing with someone else, though. Body shots. Number one in Canada. Number one in Canada. Canada. Number one in Canada. We can claim that already. Number one by first and best.
2: (laughs) And success. We're we're
1: first and last in Canada already, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, lads. Uh if you guys each want to introduce yourself, um I'll I'll go first obviously. Uh, I'm Dawson. I used to be the uh coach and captain for St. Clair College, as a lot of people know me, uh, for my time there. And I am now with the Toronto Ultra as uh team coordinator. Uh moved on from St. Clair and uh my boy Zaren over there representing still. And uh they still fight and Still a top eight team over there for sure. Love to see it.
3: Yeah, um, I'll go. Uh, I'm Eric. Uh, You can call me Potsia, Potsia underscore on Twitter. Um, I currently am the uh, Boston Breach Academy analyst. Uh, I was also their analyst last season. Uh, So getting the season kicked off already. Uh, I am also the uh, co-founder with Shady of Western Esports Cod. Uh, That's the Call of Duty team at Western University in Canada. I am an alumni of Western University, but we couldn't get things started until after I moved on. So I'm coach, team manager, uh, graphics designer, social media manager, wearer of like a million hats with uh, Western Esports.
2: And uh, I am Dylan. Uh, I'm the founder. uh, Originally, I founded Call of Duty at the University of Windsor, uh, started through the Esports Club. No scholarship, no nothing, we were able to get it up to scholarship level to this point, which is awesome. I'm currently in my fourth year of Human Kinetics, uh, just finishing out, I got one year left, uh, and I'm also the media manager uh, for Lancer Gaming, which is varsity esports at the University of Windsor. Um, Able to take on a role there, which was super awesome, and also continue to support the esports club in Call of Duty by being a team manager and administrator there, and uh, just happy to be here with three great guys to run a podcast.
1: Oh yeah, brother. Uh, well, you know what? We all did our intros. Let's kick it off the ground and uh, get this going. You know, here today with me and with uh, Eric and Dylan, we got none other than Jason, son of paint, the collegiate relations coordinator at EFUSE. I'm gonna hit you with your full title, my man. Uh, he <laughs> is also the co-founder of uh, College Cod. Uh, back in the day you know he's he's uh, one of the guys that got this thing up and running off the ground if you want to introduce yourself a little bit as well and uh, tell us about your past your present and uh, tell everyone what you're about
4: yeah thanks for having me on I mean a long long, uh, somewhat long history of doing stuff in collegiate esports was a student at liberty university started the esports program there alongside uh, a jaybird then he wanted to run a COD team at the school and realized there's no league for it. So we we're just like, all right, sure, let's do it ourselves. We got this. Um had no idea what we were doing or what we we're getting into, but really jumped into it uh feet 1st kind of started uh collecting more and more people along the way to help us out. Um everyone from Heat to Marco to uh Ron Wong and uh, you know, a whole bunch more along the way. Then last year. Um, kind of realized okay we need to, we need we need some funding, we need some backing um uh, we need some more resources to really keep this going with how with how massively it was growing, and of course also having you know money to you know have a salary would be nice too um so we ended up selling the league to eFuse, um uh, which has kind of been this up and coming company building out this tournament platform and streaming streaming resources. Um, and as well as they were running, they running Warzone tournaments and various other collegiate leagues uh, that they've been they've been expanding like crazy over the last year. So joined them now, working full time for them. Moved up, I moved uh, moved up to Columbus. Uh, got a got a got a place here near the office. I've mean, really just been grinding at running right the season.
1: Oh yeah, man. Good for you, man. I'm uh, glad to see how far I mean all of us have come, especially you guys. Uh seeing where you guys started from at least coming in and uh season one, I believe it was. Didn't didn't quite get in season zero, but uh nah, I see, I see what you guys have done and I mean selling it, some people might say uh some people might have some negative thoughts on it, but I mean everything uh everything's always onwards and upwards, you know. Same thing happened with St. Clair. It's just uh it's, evolution you know everything everything's gotta everything's gotta change at one point right maybe for the better maybe for the worse whatever people want to think i Uh, i
4: can't i can't speak more highly of Fuse. it's it's been uh, a phenomenal year to be honest i mean a lot of it's been rebuilding from the ground up lots lots of changes internally externally but it's been i'm very like full believer it has been full full force ahead yeah, and I'd no, imagine uh, Sorry,
3: I'd, I'd imagine right now you're still not at the, the full potential that E-Fuse can get to. You've only been there a year now, I guess, at this point. I remember the start of last year, Marco was talking about how he felt like they were only operating at like 10% of where they could still get to because things were still so fresh. So I'm excited to see uh, how far that comes over the next season and over the next
4: few. Oh yeah, this in some ways last season was season zero of CCL all over again uh Re literally rebuilding, we rebuilt all production from the ground up. We rebuilt staffing and who's responsible for what, and the tournament platform obviously is brand new. uh We are the we are the first to like use, really test and beta. It really was much very much a a beta test of, of the like arena tournament platform. So there's a lot of just scratching the surface of what we can and sh- can and want to do.
1: Yeah, for sure. Awesome let's uh let's get right into things, you know, uh the juicy part of this uh podcast we're starting uh, our very first episode off on a banger, you know, um having you on here, Jason. uh let's talk about the college Cod twenty twenty three season format. um Dylan, would you be able to play that video for us? Yes, let me just pull that up. awesome
0: uh,
1: and to everyone in the chat right now. We appreciate y'all. Thanks for the love. Yo, Richie, we got Daddy Eric right there, uh, live on your screen, you know, I no worries children. at all.
3: Yeah. Don't take that out of context. Please don't take that. Out of context. <laughs> don't clip that. Um, uh, I'm, I'd imagine a lot of you guys in chat have probably um, seen the format already, but if you do have any questions about it, feel free to shoot what? them and, uh, they're reasonable maybe we can make them to to jason because i yeah. think uh i think there's been a lot of interest in the league in the last few days that we haven't seen over the last few months because uh, i'm not sure so many people expected the format that we ended up getting but uh it's definitely interesting and it's really hard to judge until we actually see it in action uh, and change is always always a bit intimidating but
1: yeah uh... I'll uh, send you the
2: link. You want to go to your uh, the big screen, please. Yeah, there we are. Switch it over. All right, we're all good, and we'll get this running. This is uh, the College Cod Twenty Twenty Three format
0: video. Welcome to CCL Twenty where College Cod is back, celebrating its fifth season. This season, we'll introduce a new format that ensures the highest level of competition we've seen yet. This year, we are looking to revisit a more broad regional structure by separating the league into three general regions: the West, Northeast and southeast starting in february the college cod season will begin with two regional qualifiers that will divide each of our regions into two separate divisions division one and division two the top 12 teams from each region's first qualifier will make up the 36 total teams to dawn in division one whereas the top 12 teams in each region's second qualifier will make up the next 36 total teams that will be the makeup of division two Both divisions in each region will play in their own six-week regular season, playing every team in their division once. Following the regular season, every team in Division 1 in each region will automatically advance to playoffs, with the top eight receiving first-round buys. The top four from Division 2 in each region will also advance to playoffs, but the bottom eight teams will have to fight through Season 5's playoff LCQ. You might be wondering, what happened to the teams that didn't qualify in those regional qualifiers for either Division 1 or Division 2? Well, those teams will have the chance to play in three regional Open tournaments that are new this year and they will be held over the course of the entirety of the season. In these Open tournaments, the regions will be restructured into a more encompassing East and West, where teams in the Northeast and Southeast will combine to make up the more broad East region. In each Open, playoff points will be awarded for a chance to qualify for Season 5's Playoff LCQ based on performance. Starting at the LCQ and continuing to the playoffs, the Division 1 and 2 teams in the Northeast and Southeast regions will also combine to form the general East region, matching the format with that in the Open tournaments. The East LCQ will feature the 16 teams that qualified through Division 2 and the 16 teams from the East Open tournaments with the most playoff points, whereas the West LCQ will feature the 8 teams that qualified through Division 2 and the next top 8 teams from the West Open tournaments with the most playoff points. The top eight teams from each region's LCQ will then join the teams that previously qualified for playoffs through their respective divisional placements. The East and West regions will have separate playoff brackets again this year to determine the final eight teams that will fight for the Season 5 championship on LAN. In the East, the top four teams from playoffs will advance to finals. However, in the West, only the top three will advance to that finals LAN. The eighth and final spot will be determined by a cross-region play-in, giving teams one last shot at a qualification for LAN and a chance to become the Season 5 College Cod Champion. Hey everybody, this is Joe. Thank you for watching. <laughs>
2: Alright, we're back. Gotta love Joe.
1: Gotta love Joe. Gotta love Joe. Alright, lads. Uh we watched the format video for uh twenty twenty-three. Um let's start off with a question. Uh Jason, how'd you guys come to this format?
4: So a lot of it is uh the the mastermind of heat uh coming from trying to solve like several different issues we ran into last season. Um between how incredibly long the regular season was um being one issue to you know it ran from january to to end of like end of may for the whole for the whole season which is very long um and then as well as issues of like how do we quickly identify uh you know teams of similar skill and put them together um you know other other leagues like valorant or dota can roughly see teams based on just their in-game ranking because that's somewhat accurate to the skill level, while that just isn't a thing in COD. Um, so, And then on top of that, having um, a lot of, you know, kind of our goals for where we see Maiden Academy going long-term, um, as well as dealing with, like, the, the bottom half of the league last year at a very high forfeit rate. So not only do we have a lot of large spread out, lots of matches, a lot of those matches weren't even played because people lost interest, didn't want to play Vanguard, had teams fall apart. You know, there's all kinds of different reasons that happens. Um
1: yeah, see, yeah. I never thought about I never thought about it that way. The because I know like I will say there was a lot of teams that like forfeited near the end of the season because they knew there was just no chance anymore. Like going up against some of the teams they were playing against and like you'd get a message like literally 30 minutes after you're supposed to play, like people just no showing, right? And yeah. I never thought about how this format actually might be able to help that out a little bit. Um, at least yeah. in that sense, knowing you're going up against people with like similar skill level.
3: Yeah, yeah, and we had I had some back and forth already with you on Twitter about this, because I was saying that uh, I didn't love the idea of having less games played basically this year. Uh, and you raised a pretty good point, and I think uh, maybe what I misinterpreted and some people misinterpreted is uh, like, it's not really less games it's like more important games it's like you're playing more uh, like if you get into the top cut or the second uh qualifier group or whatever right off the rip you're gonna be playing teams that are closer to your skill level right away as opposed to i want to say we had a five or six week season uh first to decide those groups uh the tiers last year something like that uh and maybe i mean maybe i was a bit blinded by that in the canadian division we had a pretty good uh disparity like we had maybe not as many like top 25 teams per se, uh, Mac and Brock got into it, but, uh, we had like good competition throughout for the most part, whereas some divisions, I guess there's probably more, more skill disparity there. So, uh, I guess I understand. And I think we're going to see a lot more meaningful matches right off the rip. Is there any way that we have any, can get any details about, uh, how the qualifiers would work? Just a preliminary, is it going to be like, a one-day two-day qualifier is this going to be a thing that stretches out over one or two weeks because the first thing that i thought about was if you qualify from that first qualifier you qualify for playoffs essentially right away is that am i interpreting that right so you could play yeah say the qualifier is just like a cup or something where it's one weekend so the first weekend of my season could i qualify for playoffs directly
4: yeah that's uh, that's effectively what happens. Um, to answer your question about how, like how it works, that's there's still some things about specific dates and formats of individual like like we have this overall format of you know qualifiers of a league play, opens, LCQ playoffs. Um, but some of the the format of those individual pieces is still being finalized, mainly because we have to plan it around dates that we're allowed to run events. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's I I have like a schedule of schedule format for how all this built out and how you like want it to be. Yep. Um, but how we want it to be doesn't always get approved. Um, as we saw last year with Academy being spread out across the Academy playoffs, being spread out entire, like across an entire month was kind of a, a yeah. result of yeah. our plan being forcibly changed. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't like super dive into that stuff yet cause it's, it's just not done. Okay. Um, but kind of, kind of the goal is, um, Really, like, really quickly, as fast as possible, identify, like, the top cut of teams. Much faster than last year. Because last year we spent six weeks on Split 1, Stage 1. And then another six, it was like, I think it was five weeks on Stage 2. So you spent, um, and then the the LCQ in playoffs was like three, four weeks plus LAN. So you spent one-third of your season playing against... Who knows what skill level other teams are? It was kind of less than ideal. Yeah. Um, whereas splitting splitting into the qualifier, if you you know if you qualify into into league play, you are you play one week of someone that of low like low skill teams, and then immediately you're in you're into playing against similar skill teams. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um. So on that as well uh i wanted to say like how does the matches compare to last year so to say like in terms of like how many a team is going to be playing now because if you're that top cut team at the beginning of the year right i know you say you don't have like uh like dates set so to say but like i know there was the issue brought up on twitter where it's like we played too many matches and how much is that getting cut like are teams technically like Top tier teams, are they gonna be playing fifty percent less matches, twenty-five percent less? Like, do you know what that number looks like? Um
4: so for the qualifiers, it depends on how many players play. Right? The more the more teams there are, the more matches you play, because it you know it's it's either a bracket or groups in a bracket or you know, that kind of format, or it's it's almost similar to the launch opens format for these qualifiers. Uh so there that kind of depends on uh, the biggest difference is you're playing more matches in the same day. So the qualifiers are shorter in time to- in total time than a like stage one, a six week stage one. But you're still playing six, eight, ten, te- ten matches, however many it is across the qualifier. Um, where at- and then you go if you qualify, you go into league play and you're playing still uh, eleven matches because it's groups of twelve because it's round robin. Okay, um, and then you go into playoffs or lcq, depending on how good you were and which division you're in. Um, and then LCQ is you know three, four matches usually, and then you go into playoffs, which is just all you know w limb bracket. Um, so it's it's less. I, I think it's on average, it's only gonna be like four, five, like three, like three to five games less if you go the like division route. Um, But it's just a much shorter time span because the qualifiers take place over one week instead of a full, well, in our current ideal scenario, um, instead of taking place over six weeks. So it is less, but it's not as less as people think. And this is also kind of true if you don't uh, qualify into D1 and D2 as well. Because if you play both qualifiers, I mean, let's say you you get... um, double double first rounded in in qualifiers right you you only play two games in in, in qualifier one two games in qualifier two and then you play the three regional the, the three open tournaments um if you get double double uh double first rounded in both in all three of those as well that's 10 games you played because six two each for the the opens so that's 10 games and then you're done um so if if you like really just lose everything it's definitely less matches than you would have played last year, mm-hmm. um, but it's still not like, I mean, ten matches is still a like a decent amount yeah. of games. It's but often, amount. if a team's going zero and ten in the regular season, they're unlikely to have continued playing matches, anyways. Um, because I, I mean, I have like some of the stats from last season. Um, state tier three. If you remember last season, the groups we had stage stage one was you had four groups of just regional. Um that's where the whole Florida State's not in Florida meme came from It's because <laughs> Florida had thirteen teams. Yeah. Um in, in the in the state. Then we shuffled those into similar skills, so you had tier one through four in your region. Um but tier tier three and four last year had over a twenty five percent forfeit rate. Jeez. Um and that's now tier four it's technically lower than that because we removed all the teams that fully forfeited after after Stage 1 before going into Stage 2, which is why Tier 4 and basically every region was only like 6 or 7 teams because a bunch of teams had forfeited. We had over 40 teams fully forfeit out across the entire season that just like fully backed out and said, okay, we're done, we're not playing anymore. So those those are the teams, Those a lot of those teams, not, not all of them, there are probably some of those teams that would have made it into a top cut um, if they had kept playing. But those those like bottom teams that play lose a bunch and then drop out because um, they don't want to play the rest. They don't. It doesn't matter to them if they go zero and ten or zero and twenty. They're kind of irrelevant either. Like they're not going to want to play either way. Um, so that so it's kind of like the they play less matches because we know that like they're going to be eliminated more quickly and be less likely to want to keep playing.
3: So just to, to summarize that quickly, I guess the the goal then would be uh, retention rate to try and get teams that are playing to want to keep playing and we do that by having more competitive matches basically like not having a tier 3 team playing against a scholarship Northwood or something later into the season like come week 6 of the season once they've already been having a hard time let's weed out some of those teams early and give them a chance to play teams their skill level and go from there yeah cool. that's
4: that's kind of the idea um, now I do think like there there's some ways we can keep building on that. Like we have like better around ideas of what would you know what would a division three look like instead of these open tournaments. Mm-hmm. there's I think there's like different I think that as a whole, the general idea is like very good. I think there's different ways that you could like discuss or figure out formats for individual like small pieces and how that could work. Um, yeah. but that's kind of that's kind of the goal overhead. Mm-hmm. but and we're also this is also very. I mean it's kind of similar to CRL but parts of this are pretty unique. Um so there's also a lot of like experiment. You know, this is this is kind of we are we are very much in a format experiment phase where we are all right, we'll test and try different things, see how it plays out, make some changes next year, keep going and cuz you know if we're if we're thinking on like a 10 to 20 year plan, we have lots of time to kind of try and different things and test stuff. For sure.
1: Cool. When it comes down to like, the later part of the year, um, do you think those matches are... Like, I'm assuming you guys are gonna want to still stream a lot of the matches for, like, uh, LCQ, um, the other, like, three open tournaments and whatnot. Do you think that's gonna hurt the actual legitimacy of the league? Because we're gonna be seeing, theoretically, worse teams like facing off against each other, right? Like, in those tournaments, like some people if they're new to the league they might come in and be like is this really what college call of duty is like i'm like someone who's not hasn't seen the northwoods the uh the ottawas and whatnot play the fisher schools play right like is that gonna hurt the league do you think
4: i don't think it's it's like drastically an issue um let me see i mean we across the i think we we had a Across the entire year, like, viewership dropped from the beginning to the end, at least before we hit, like, top of playoffs and land because that's just, you know, people lose interest. Lost it. The, the longer Vanguard went on, the more people lost yeah. interest. Um, but usually LCQ is only, like, one week, um, and then we're really into playoffs. So it's kind of one week of teams that—I think we, we did this last year as well, where it was this one week of teams that aren't usually on broadcast being on broadcast— uh, which is cool it's like nice to not see the same 10 teams a lot but you do still want to see the best teams so it's kind of a like one weekend done okay take a look at these other teams who are fighting for their life this is the, this is their last chance um, and I mean sometimes it is even fun to see last chance teams um, I mean the the team you know I'm a huge dota fan uh, the international just finished this last weekend the one of the teams that qualified from their last chance qualifier made it to the grand finals. They took second place. So mm-hmm. it, it's cool to see, like, a little bit of, okay, these are some teams that could maybe make a make a underdog run.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, I have a question for you. Um, I know we all have opinions on this, but who do you think truly the more competitive region, the East or the West? Because I know in the formatting because of the teams and certain things, a little less from the West make it than the East. What's your opinion on that?
4: Um, do you want just, like, the raw numbers from last season? Because I, I have those in front of me.
3: <laughs> maybe right. maybe I can add on to this, too. Like, did that weigh into the decision-making of cutting down from four geographic regions to three geographic regions this year?
4: A little bit. Um, the... That is part of why we developed the the four west and the are the the four east, the three west, and then the one play in um, is because whenever it came to um, the if you like if you look at the old regions um, from last year, um, the and whenever it comes to the actual the top thirty two of playoffs like the teams that got out of the playoffs group stage. Um, Midwest was the weakest region with only six teams that made it out of, um, made it into top 32, whereas West had 10, North and South both had eight. Um, So Midwest was like the weakest region um, last year, whenever it came to the top 32. But then when you get to top eight, it was three from West, one from Midwest, four from North and zero from South. And that one, that one Midwest team, I think was SIUE, if I remember
0: correctly. Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah. Um, So it's that's kind of where it came from is just like i think in general or at least last season north northeast was really the strongest region mm-hmm. um but i think it has more to do with geography um where if, if you look at the map of teams from last year it's all northeast is just absurdly massive if we if we were to try and it's really to do like actual creative. geographic like divisions northeast mm-hmm. would have like a half the league in it it's absurdly un- uneven. So this was more of a, okay, West is very spread out and very thin, because it's just not where, you know, there's, it's, other than California, it's very low in population in a lot of the West in like, Midwest areas. So this was kind of more of a, um, like, geographical where our teams are than a, a just entirely a who's good and who's bad decision. Okay. And, Our Midwest region didn't match any, like, traditional standard of Midwest last year. uh, Because Midwest, it was, like, from Minnesota to Iowa, and then had, like, a handful of teams from, like, Louisiana and Arkansas. It's just a weird, doesn't, it's not really Midwest.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask Dawson this, and Potsy. I want to know your opinion. What's the strongest division in your honest opinion going into this year?
3: Oh, going into this year? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure you can say that all that much has changed in that terms. Like, I feel like, I feel like the heavy hitters are still the heavy hitters Mm -hmm. and there's, they're mostly in the East per se, especially like scholarship schools. I think what we have going for us, like just speaking on like the Northeast. Um, when you speak like outside of the varsity programs, like the programs that are recruiting and and have that sort of power, I think one of the big indicators of like, who's going to have a consistently good program and be able to string together four good players is population of your school a lot of the time. And like, if you look at the Northeast, for example, like in Ontario, most of our schools have 40,000 students. We have like 30, 40,000, like we don't have a whole lot of the, uh, smaller colleges that I think you find, especially as you like go into the Midwest, like the. Areas that just in general are are less dense in popular, uh, population and, mm-hmm. and more sparse. Um, so I think that, yeah, population density plays a pretty huge effect into it. But, I mean, the Southeast, I think, is pretty powerful, too. I yeah. think you look at some of those non-varsity programs like FSU, same sort of thing where it's a, a big population school. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the Florida schools have larger po- populations than if you head into, like, the Midwest area. So, I mean, I think uh, the coast is definitely the the way that I'd be looking, but north or south is pretty contentious.
1: Yeah. Uh, I got to go with uh, Eric on that one, honestly. It's same thing I'd say. Like, over here, we don't have a lot of, like, population-dense schools. Like, yep. it, it's hard to find players, right? Like, even when I was starting SEC, I think I got, like, one person out to a club tryout, literally, like, yep. extremely hard. I feel like, it, at least in the west, um, it's easier to find People, so to say, like you see those schools, like, ah, God, I can't, you probably Cal State Long Beach, like, probably insane attendance rate. Um, same thing with like full sale. I remember when we were coming in there, one of the big schools as well. Mm -hmm. Um, just, but like Eric said, right, like in the East, we have a lot of those scholarship schools who are willing to kind of chill out that money Mm -hmm. to players that we think are good enough, right? Um, and yeah, that's where that's where I'd think at least a lot of that lies just uh, once those teams kind of go away though, right, and those individuals graduate, uh, I think that's where you could see a problem where uh, the West might be able to continue making strong teams because they might have people who are around a lot more um, whereas on the East, right, like you lose a big player, like I know Priestley on SEC's gone this year um, I believe Brandon might be gone this year as well uh, I know they've been recruiting, but still, you just gotta wonder who else is gonna be coming up on that roster, right? Like, how is, how are you gonna fill those two's roles, and how are they gonna play, play afterwards, right? Like, yep. brand new chem on that team.
2: Yep. Hey, I totally get that too. A few of my players are on their way out at the University of Windsor. Like, we lost Conundrum last year. Uh, that was a pretty big deal because he was p- pulling some heavy weight and. <laughs> Pulling through in S&Ds all the time, dropping like 15 kills, doing everything you needed to do to win. So when you lose players like that, it is hard. And what I've found, at least from our area, it's there's not a lot of cop players or not a lot of people who know about esports, period. And that's, that's something that we're trying to change in Ontario and Canada.
3: I think it's super, super important at those schools that don't have scholarships to, like, have at least the the structure of, like, a, a club or something that's yes. going to keep the program going when the players are gone. Because yep. you see schools like Humber that, like, went from, like, a top CCL team for years yep. to just not existing simply yep. because you don't have the players anymore. And it might not just be that they're not on campus. It's just, like, how you find the players. And a lot of the time, as a non-varsity program, you got to be out there reaching out there seeking, like, we did like a clubs week this year and for the first time we had our cod team involved in the club like my contact was given on everything and we got 20 plus signups just from that we had six kids come out last year so like
2: yeah that's campus
3: presence is is pretty massive for Mm -hmm. some of those things and it comes down to just like club involvement and all that
2: yeah and with the transition from covid like now we actually have the opportunity to do things on campus like i know at St. Clair, they just opened up the eSports Nexus. That's super okay. awesome. And at the University of Windsor, we're opening up our um, eSports venue uh, in the next month or two. So that's exciting as well. And hopefully one day, Western will have something cool like that. One day. Yeah, but, yeah we'll see. Uh, yeah, things are changing, <laughs> which is good. And that's kind
4: of, kind of the nature of Collegiate as well. When you compare like some of the differences between college eSports and college sports, like like if you think of like D one schools, you know I don't know we'll pull a name out of the hat like Ohio State's always going to be relevant in football because mm-hmm. yeah. as their stars leave, they recruit new ones. Yeah, it's you know it's a rotating door of talent, where and that's kind of where like varsity schools are starting to go. You know if Northwood if someone graduates, they'll bring in someone new mm-hmm. who's going to be similar skilled level, and now the the team chemistry might be a little different. It's a little different whenever you have a team of four compared to you know like a football team. Um, yeah but chemistry matters a lot more. Uh, But by and large, you're still going to have teams that are recruiting on a rotating, like a rotating door. But whenever it comes to clubs, that that rotating door of constant talent just doesn't exist. You'll you'll go from one year of being super lucky, um, of having tons of good talent. I mean, SIUE is not a particularly big school. Top eight in CCL. Um, They're, you know, Gwentalan. That those kind of star rosters will disappear and you won't be recruited you won't have any new talent recruited in to replace the, your star players mm-hmm. so the teams will just vanish humber yeah. liberty um there there's you know there's a probably two dozen schools we could go through and talk about how they went from massive to nothing in the league and that and that's just kind of where what makes seeding the beginning of a league so difficult yeah is you have no idea. I mean, we can kind of tell. Okay, Northwood's going to be good. You know, several years in a row. Saint Clair's going to be good several years in a row. It's kind of there's some consistency in in kind of the top cut, kind yeah. of. Um, mm-hmm. But the bottom, like the every like everyone else outside those like handful of programs, is no idea how consistent they're going to be. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Okay. Moving on from uh, talking about the actually just more so the format of things uh no academy prizing um wanted to bring that up a little bit i know i've seen a lot of people not too happy about that there was mention of even people wanting to have two main teams uh at different schools um i want to know if you guys have considered that as well as uh crowdfunding i'm not sure if it leans on if you guys are allowed to do it if ab will allow it ab being activision blizzard obviously Um, because I know you said there is restrictions, obviously working very closely with the developer now. Um, whereas crowdfunding would be, at least in my opinion, it would be seen as like a third party initiative, right? For like everyone where like, say me, Eric and Dylan could all throw a hundred dollars into a pot and you guys technically have nothing to do with the money. Um, is that potential, uh, is there potential there for crowdfunding Or is that something you guys can't allow? And if you guys don't allow it, is there any chance that you could see some, say, top teams being able to have two main teams?
4: So kind of the the goal of main and academy is um, moving a little bit more towards a um, like this like this is your team like uh, you know pre um, pre main and academy whatever it was was that it was cold War um that we had we allowed two teams in maine pre cold War and before that we had okay, these are two separate rosters um you know they basically ignore each other. you got Ottawa gold, you got Ottawa black, they have their players, their starters, they have their subs. they basically don't care about each other at all they're they're basically independent in most schools, the skill disparity between those not Ottawa gold and black is a bad example, obviously they were the grand finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at most schools, the skill gap between A and B is so drastic you don't yep. even want to scrim each other. Yep. Uh, so kind of the goal was, hey, let's move away from just a bunch of independent teams and push more towards this is the um, Saint Clair College team, and they you know they have their starters and they have their subs, and this is effectively one roster. Um, mm-hmm. I. I'm, like, in hindsight, um, and now obviously this is something, like, so new, this is, there's no other, like, collegiate league that has even come close to attempting to do something like this, um, this format, Mm -hmm. and having this kind of crossing between subs. In hindsight, I don't think we should have had an Academy prize pool at all uh, last year. Um, I think it would have been better, because it still kind of put a lot of focus on, it, it encouraged people to treat Main and Academy as two separate teams still. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not really the goal. Yeah. Um, and then there was also like teams that were, um, why not? You know, just chalk Maine entirely. Put you know, put four people who aren't going to play in Maine, and then run academy and make and make it your goal to take down, take on the you know, run the academy yeah. league. So that's kind of the, um, you know, w- like we want to push like more towards this is, this is a your program and not just like totally separate clubs. Um, it is also something that's going to take a while to fully, like, take hold and settle in is because it, it's different than how a lot of other leagues run. Um, so, like, mm-hmm. I, it's definitely teams that are not... Uh, there are definitely plenty of teams that are not super comfortable with it. Um, there are also, I think there are also some teams that ran with it really well last year. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the school. I can probably find it if I search, but there was teams that were, like, swapping players in and out and using every roster lock and that really like love that they can mix and match their players Mm -hmm. and and, you know do different things with the roster depending on what they thought people's skill level was um so there's some people more than others are fans of it um
2: we loved it we we definitely loved it last year because when bobby got injured he broke his wrist he was like one of our main subs we were able to pull up you guys gave us some leeway able to pull up Aspa from our B team and we were able to see like the skill that some of our players had on the B team and they eventually made it onto the A team for the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, I, it feels like sometimes it just gets overlooked, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't really think about it too much until you see them in action in the main league, right? It's mm-hmm. uh same thing you see even in CDL, right? Like you you don't think about no one really thinks about putting in their subs too much and then something happens someone gets covid someone gets injured and next Mm -hmm. thing you know they're in and you're like oh damn that guy actually can't compete in the league um but no like i can agree i mean at least i think jason i'm gonna be honest like i think there should have been maybe even a better prizing split last year because third place in maine took home less than what first place in academy took home and if we're being honest uh i mean third place last year was ottawa like cruelty uh Ethan, like Hoop Tape, Gunsy, Lightning, like if you had them in if you had them in Academy, um, I think they obviously they would have placed first. Um, a lot of those other teams too, right? We had we had Westcliff, Davenport, um, St. Clair, uh Saint Edwards, right? So that top eight, so from third to eighth, they all got paid out less than what um, that first place took home in an Academy and I think all of them would have uh, I, to say the least like in my personal opinion I'd say they they would have got first place in Academy um, any of those teams would have
4: yeah there's um, yeah like I said I, I don't think last year's format or, or prizing split or anything like that was ideal um, very much a like testing and experimenting um, there's um, there's also some Truth to like, it, it, what some some decisions we make, you know, some are, um, we we kind of like grasp of, okay, if we change this now, how many people will it affect versus mm-hmm. if we change this, you know, a year or two or three years from now, um, if we made this change. So like for example, with with splitting domain and academy, right? There were a small, there's a small number of teams that had fully recruited recruited two rosters. Yep. St. Edwards is obviously like the, the most notable, like very vocal one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, we, you know, thinking about that is okay, if we say, all right, let's put it off, let's push off Main Academy, you know, let's do this in a few years when teams are, you know, the space is more developed. Well, when we make that split, that's going to affect, you know, 30 teams. There's 30 schools that, at you know, three years from now, there's 30 or 40 schools that have yep. recruited two full rosters. So there are some changes that we like made that we, okay, we want to start. Making this change now so that we don't affect more schools later on. Um, Not that so that that is like something like we think about when making changes like that. Um, I do wish last year we had been able to announce it sooner. Um, It was their teams would have been able to like prepare for it a little faster. Um, That's like even like this this announced this uh, this information article that we released um, Saturday. Um, I've been sitting on that article and that information and these changes for like two months minimum. Yep. And just wasn't wasn't able to push it out. Yeah, I know so it, it's it's frustrating. I think I even tweeted this the other day, like you know, it's frustrating balancing rules and also balancing what teams and players need. Um and also balancing, you know, like what, what kind of changes do we want to push for.
1: Jason, that's why I got your tweet right here, my brother. I got your tweet right here. Balancing publisher demands, current player base, and our goals for initiative is hard. Um, yeah, no, I mean I understand, man. Like the thing people got to realize too is like you guys are working directly with the developer now. I know you have. You guys had conversations with a lot of varsity schools, and I happened to be in like a few of those meetings when I was still in the space more. Um and even Sean was in there too. And one of the things that a lot of schools were saying, like there was other directors in there and a lot of them were talking about, um, they're like, Why can't we get this information earlier? Right? Like this is what we want. We want to get that earlier. And even you said it, you're like, We have to wait. You're like, I have this information and that's why I'm talking to you guys right now, like two, three months ahead of time. But like technically we can't public publicly put anything out there um for any reason. And I think people have to realize that it's not always on you guys. Like people are like, Oh my God, I can't believe, I can't believe Jason was holding this back from us, man. I can't believe he did this to us. We're like, it's entirely has nothing to do with you. You're the one who has to communicate those things to us. And we have to basically just take them. So like, you're the messenger that basically is getting shot in the foot every time (laughs) a little bit. Sometimes. Um, Yeah.
4: One of the things that we do, like, um, that I do find interesting is, you know, if I was a program director at a school and I'm like, okay, I'm going to invest all the scholarship money and build this facility, all that stuff. I'd be like way in advance of launching anything going and discussing with like every single league ahead of time, like, Hey, this is what I want to do. You know, can't does, does like what the league is planning to do impact this that, you know, that kind of like those kinds of discussions, it kind of surprises me just how many schools will launch massive investments and like not talk to us at all and never say anything and then realize like two months later that what they did they kind of they get fucked over by something we're doing because but they like never thought to like communicate or like ask us anything so that that happens several times sometimes um which kind of like blows my mind that that happens um but teach to each to run their program how they see
3: and just, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to be an apologist for either side. I know that the onus goes on on you guys partially, on, on schools partially, whatever. But do you think we're ever going to see then a point in time where you guys are premeditating changes, where you're getting something approved for a year ahead and, and you're getting that information uh, out at the start of this season for next season? I know you're saying that things require approvals, but... Do you think you'll ever be able to get something approved, but not put that change into action for another year? Like, for example, the academy prizing. Say you were going to cut it down, uh, and you wanted to say, "Hey, we're still doing a prize pool this year, but not next year." So that if a student's possibly relying on on some of that money, um, or hoping that they're going to be able to get a cut of that pie, they can be like, "Hey, well, maybe I can look at other schools." Uh, the Saint Edward's kids are obviously ones that come to mind who might have scholarship opportunities or something yep. elsewhere. So do you think that'll ever be more premeditated or
4: that's that's always the goal. Um I mean even even like last year's format changes um when did I think we had it ready to go in like June or May? Like so like we like we were already preparing this like these changes bef- like r- literally right as last season finished. Um, it's sometimes, it's sometimes it's hard because sometimes format changes, um, require, the, the hardest part is format changes require scheduling approval. Um, and like, for example, uh, with getting, like a lot of times, uh, the publishers won't even, like, like Activision won't even consider approving tournament license for Modern Warfare 2 until like the week before the game releases. Which is obviously just hey, like that makes it impossible for yeah. us us to, yeah, to announce yeah. anything ahead of time if it's a change that requires a schedule change. Now something like okay, here's the price pool even even price pulls a little hard because like if we're you know like last year's change, um, if we're the price pool is affected by the format change. so it's yep. it's like hard to even you know announce and the the format is depending on the schedule approval and the price pool is depending on the format, which is depending on the schedule approval. It's extremely difficult to do anything largely ahead of time, and we're, like, constantly fighting to have the ability to do stuff ahead, more ahead of time. Um, it's because it, it's often um, just as frustrating for us as it is for teams not, not being able to do that and just, like, be sitting on information for weeks or months yep. and not being able to put it out. Um, like, we had... but I mean, we, we try and do some things. Like, we had... At the end of last season, we met, I think, with almost every single Varsity program to, like, get feedback and thoughts of, like, you know, what their their opinions of the season were. Uh, And then when we were developing the format, we met with a handful. We didn't meet with every Varsity director for the format, but we met with a handful of Varsity, like, directors, kind of, like, walking through, hey, what's your thoughts? And we made, like, some changes, even from our initial draft, based on some of that feedback we got. So there's, we do, like, attempt to get some information privately ahead of time but obviously, like, the more you spread a secret, the more likely it is to not be a secret anymore, so...
2: I want to ask, now that COD's switching to a two-year game cycle, do you think it will be easier to get those approvals earlier?
4: I have no idea. <laughs> that is a great question. I wish I knew.
2: Well, we can All right. hope.
1: <laughs> yeah, Last question. cope. Yeah, that's not a
4: helpful answer.
1: Last question. Uh, you could just simply say yes or no. Um... It would crowd would that crowdfunding be allowed, like I asked.
4: Um, I oh actually I did want to talk about this because I, I I like read through y'all's like Twitter thread where you and some others were discussing it mm. um quite aggressively at times. Uh but the entry fees are a thing that like is is an activision thing where they said, Hey, we don't want you to have entry fees. Um if because if you think back to like Activision Blizzard Collegiate that's currently running Overwatch and Hearthstone. Tespa, further back in the day, they've never had entry fees. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Um, that's that's always been that's been a publisher thing. As far as crowdfunding goes, like the community putting money to make a prize pool to give to the academy winners, I I don't have a good answer for that. I mean, that's kind of something I'd probably have to like talk with the rest of the team about and address because that's that's like something we haven't even talked about yet. Mm -hmm. I don't like in theory. I don't think there'd be anything against. You know, people say no, we're going to give this money to whoever wins, because that's not like us. But I don't want to like give a definite answer because just, we just haven't even gotten around to discussing it yet. Yeah.
1: All right. We're going to change topics here for for a second. Uh, so Warzone Two, uh, obviously that's going to be coming about, um, but at the same time, I want to take a back step and go to the Warzone playoffs from College Cod uh queens university from canada you know us canadian schools and our problems we have up here uh were they cheating
4: so obviously we didn't you know we didn't take any action we didn't convict anyone um so you know if, if we had there'd be a whole acts of the admin post detailing what happened and penalties and things like that um we're not fully whenever it comes to cheating accusations and cases we don't we're not ever like fully transparent and all the evidence and everything we investigate um but we do make it public when we do take action um i'm i i have like a lot of the like the information and like data and st- stats we went through um i'm not gonna like fully deep dive into that because we'd be here for hours um yeah. the the biggest thing i'll like Dive into addressing that. I think I talked some about it on like social media uh, whenever it was going down. Um, the the cheating accusation to rehash for anyone who isn't familiar or is forgetful. Um, the cheating accusation came from the tracker data, one of the odd tracker, one of the public the one of the public matches APIs, and it was basically okay. They have a whole bunch of really low KD lobbies back to back, which seems seems like they were doing something to manipulate their matchmaking. Yep. We have it pulled um, up it right suggests. now, actually.
1: We had it pulled up. Yeah,
4: it was,
2: if uh... you want to show that. Yep, yep, we have it up right now. So they they were rocking lobbies around 1.26, 1.5, 1.2, 1.2, 0.91. So just above one at all times.
1: Like a one point, probably like 17 average. I honestly. It was lower
3: than that. I thought it was I don't know why. I mean, I was I was probably more closely involved with this than you guys cuz I had a team actually competing. I don't know why I remember it being lower than that. That that screenshot doesn't seem right to me. Um there there I'm was some, like,
4: sh- point eights and point nines. Yeah. yeah, we have pretty, this I'm We have sure this, sure this one down screenshot.
3: here. I think it's a point 0.9 or point 0.8 that it actually was uh cuz that that wouldn't have been all that sus the ones that are showing right there. Um but I just want to say my piece about it because, like I said, I was I was pretty involved in this and like our team we were like top five I'm pretty sure in the points heading into the to the qualifier. We thought that things were gonna were gonna go pretty well. They didn't. We ended up coming in like eighth or something. But uh, nonetheless, like I think something that people have glanced over a little too much about it. Like I keep on hearing people be like, "Yo, if this is private match lobbies, Queens wouldn't have been able to like stack up against everyone else." Queens in I want to say. Was it the just the first two weeks that were private match, I think? Queens came fourth in the second week, which was private match lobbies. <laughs> like, it's not like they were doing, like, completely horrible beforehand. They came fourth in the first one. Or, sorry, in the second one. Fourteenth in the first one. But, like, the first one, I'm pretty sure they didn't have NARC, who played in the rest of it. Uh, So they were playing with a sub during that. And I don't think Sue's really a Warzone player. They just had one Warzone player. So, Jaxen. just like... Yeah, with Jackson and and we were kind of the same way. And I think a lot of the top 10 teams were where a lot of the schools like VCU and uh, Northwood, which obviously is a bit different, but had like one Warzone player and then two guys that just could shoot back basically. And it takes a few weeks for the war zone player to help those people figure out what the hell they're doing on the map in all honesty. So it makes sense that they got better as things went on. That's not to say that it's not sus. Don't get me wrong. Like those lobbies, sus, but the fact that there was a background check into it and they were showing geolocation and all that there's nothing that we can be like definitive like wow you must have been cheating like how shitty would it be to disqualify someone just to find out that oh well they just got lobby luck one day that's not to say it doesn't sound ridiculous because i get that the 0.9 it's that's that's a lot 0.9 0.8 lobbies like we were rocking 1.3s all day uh and the week that we won i think we were rocking 1.3s but like I just think there is no way to give a definitive ruling to be like, "Hey, Queens is cheating," and yeah. so you kind of just got to so, let up at some point.
4: So the we actually took a different approach to this. Um, the the really the the conclusion we came to was not okay. He, this this tracker data is or isn't proof that a team is cheating. What we found was the tracker data itself is just incredibly unreliable. So we actually uh, D and I went through a deep dive of all of the matches and kds and data available for all of their matches and we also did this for like seven other teams here too i think daniel also helped me daniel exile helped me with this a little bit as well and what we found was a large number of these games um any game that they had a low kd in so if a game had like a less than a 1.0 kd a large number of the players in the tracker had no data so if you if you only in like many of these games had like 50, 50 or six if you had a less than a 1.0 KD on average, less than a three-fourths of the data was available. And if you had a lobby, and this like this is like without fail, like every instance of this, if you had a lobby with a high KD, 1.2, 1.3, they're the majority, like over 90%, 80-90% of the data was available. So what that led me to led to suggest, and since like this pattern was like without fail across all of their across all of their matches. We went through qualifier qualifier three to playoffs because we couldn't <laughs> do qualifier one and two because that's probably. Is
1: this uh, that image you uh, sent us here?
4: Yeah, that's that's the okay. image. If you want to throw that up,
2: um, let me pull this up.
4: So w- what that seems to suggest is that these 0.8, 0.9 KDs, if the tracker had their actual data, the lobby the average lobby would have actually been a one point one a one point two a one point three. Oh. So the 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 conclusion we kind of came to was this po- this point this average point eight KD lobby that it says is deceptive and not and not accurate, which uh-huh. which is kind of like the 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 crux of the like conclusion we came to is that not that there's hard evidence that they were or weren't cheating, but that the evidence people had were using as evidence was not reliable evidence.
3: Yeah, and you don't, you don't have to dive into this one if you don't want to, but I have to ask while we're here, because we're on the same topic, did you guys do the same dive then on the University of North America a few weeks prior? They had won one of the events, and they received a lot of uh, controversy, same sort of thing where people were saying 0.8, 0.9 lobbies. Did you find same sort of results for them?
4: That is not one of the teams we jumped into. Um, okay. They voluntarily decided not to keep playing. Mm -hmm. um so like we hadn't we hadn't like had a reason to deep dive into them yet Mm -hmm. um we would have done something similar like if they kept kept playing um but the the team themselves decided not to play
3: sorry yeah i was i was more referring because there was one qualifier that they won so i wasn't sure if there, there was that was explored as well um but that's all right we can move on from that i was just curious uh salty still <laughs> I, I, can, I can let it go and and move on from that one.
4: yeah and, th- and that's like you know one they they had one qualifier they won you know one one mm-hmm. instance of something unusual is is not enough to like to take action on yep. um uh, uh, usually the biggest thing when it comes to cheating cases or accusations is a pattern uh mm-hmm. is really for um because it is very hard to convict off of like one instance so obviously yeah. the, that's a little, it's a lot harder to, um, to, to dive into. Uh, but we did find like this, this trend of data corresponding with the accurate, the accuracy of the data corresponding to, with the lobby KD across, mm-hmm. like we, we, we checked like, I think it was like eight teams, nine teams that we checked. Um, I think, I think it's spent, I spent like a good, like eight or nine hours like going through and just manually copying all this data from the tracker site. Damn.
0: That's impressive right. like, that you guys like
2: look that far into too, it, though. The no. day after. It's impressive that you guys look that far into it and actually put thought into it rather than just going off random clips or this or what people say. Like, the fact that you guys are actually doing the math behind it is impressive.
3: Yeah, it's... I think a lot of people will, uh, will put this one to rest.
2: Yep.
4: It is yep. very... We do this kind of, like, deep dive for basically every, like... Somewhat credible accusation. there's accusations that we like, we just like throw out. There's just like immediately obvious there's nothing here. and it's just yeah. someone upset they lost. Um, but there are for any anything that's like somewhat credible, we do deep dives as like as much as we can. I mean, it's never gonna be one hundred percent perfect. that's the that's the nightmare of running online events.
3: so um, are you are you willing to confirm whether uh, McHackers McMaster University was explored last year? <laughs> don't no, actually we, say it. Don't, don't we,
4: we looked. <laughs> oh
3: like, no yeah, action was taken due diligence i guess
1: yeah uh, yeah if,
4: if we take if we if if we take action like we we make it apparent so that everyone knows about it it's good to know that you guys
1: are that thorough though
2: no it's really so, impressive like i don't think a lot of leagues go that far into things like that so i don't think
1: a lot of people know in general that yeah like i didn't know go that in depth people yeah, like, just are probably like dude these guys don't fucking check anything
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's definitely impressive on the side of you guys and kudos to you for doing that.
3: So was it was it a bigger pain in the ass running Warzone with uh the format changes in the middle of the season and and uh having to have people in different lobbies or it's probably more difficult to look into the those accusations and all that, would you say?
4: It's they each have their own problems. Uh the biggest pain point was having to make the change mid-season. Mm-hmm. Um and in a lot of ways, I mean, there's, there's a reason kind of the Warzone Pro community doesn't really do Kill Races anymore. It's just not a competitive format. Mm. But, I mean, it's the only option we had, so it is what it is. Um, it's And it's because, like, in a lot of ways, it's hard to tell if, you know, you're just shooting at a bot. Because even, you know, you could have a player that's a, a 1.6 KD and their younger brother's playing on their account and you can just you know spit on someone (laughs) that should be a good player yeah that's true so so there's no real like you know control of the quality of the matches regardless of what people's average kds say Mm -hmm. um so it's just not a not ideal whatsoever the only upside of it is that it makes broadcast content easier um you get when you're playing in a kill races lobby you get more cool clips you're often playing against not as skilled players compared to the compared to the private lobbies um, and then on top of that because it's there's no sync so like whenever you're doing private lobbies you gotta you know you load everyone into the lobby you play the game and then you have to s- stop and wait for all 130 some people to get back into the lobby and then start and so there's usually like a 10 15 minute break in between each lobby whereas with kill races is just go to whoever is currently playing just go 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 yeah. go yep so it's it's it does actually, like, the quality of the broadcast in some ways is better. Um, of course, having a real podcaster in Warzone would actually make the, broadca- the broadcast quality drastically better. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we, we can dream.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right. We're going to start winding down. We're going to get off all the drama topics, at least. We're just going to talk about uh, thoughts and opinions. We're going to move into Modern Warfare 2, our last topic of the night, you know? Uh, what are we all thinking about the game so far? Personally, I'm I love it. I don't know about y'all, I don't know a lot of people. I've seen a lot of people complain about it, but like, I mean, playing pubs at least, like, it's pretty addicting. Like, it's, I'm ready for some ranked players. Great
2: assignment. as long as they, as long as the maps are able to be played on. <laughs> like, half the maps have like three or three maps now have been absolutely like ripped out of the game because copyright issues they copied a hotel the grand prix yeah. map and now um the other map the the new what's the museum that, like? that was in the beta yep yep yeah, all, uh,
3: i mean like... right now my my biggest gripe i would say uh i've had to adjust all my spreadsheets and stuff all day because there's more than five hills on most on not most but yep. on multiple of the hardpoint maps like yep. currently the pro teams are scrimming uh four hardpoint maps today Two of them have five hills, one is six, one has seven. So, I don't know, that's, that's a, it's a lot to work with uh, from a, like, coach and player standpoint. I think it changes the game a, a whole ton, and mm-hmm. I won't be surprised to see a map like Mercado not in the map set by the time we get to the actual season. Uh, so yeah. I'm not really reading into things too, too much. I think a lot of people are expecting DLC maps to come in and to kind of take over, yeah. but uh We work with what we have right now, and so it'll be interesting. I like the gunplay. The gunplay is uh, nice. Yeah, my team, my team this year is all fourth years. But they're all, they're all seniors, so those old man hands are going to be great. Like they don't slide <laughs> cancel. They don't have to to worry about any of those advanced movements. Really, it's just X. uh just straight up gunplay and gunplay
2: so, and game knowledge. That's it. Yeah,
3: yeah. So we... I, I'm looking forward to to seeing how it plays, but it's say, uh it's early days.
4: Say what yeah. you will about someone playing on a keyboard, but not having to deal with advanced movement is a lot easier on keyboard when playing eights in the CCL Discord. <laughs> it's right. so it's some of the some of the advanced movement stuff that people came up with is hard to do on a keyboard.
1: Oh it's crazy. But uh so we have a graphic here from uh Trix or uh Chase. He's uh coach and caster over at uh Keanu. Um he's put together a graphic so far of uh what the MW2 competitive maps are looking like thus far. Um. Yeah, we can take you a look at that. With guy. those
4: like six and seven hill maps, do you think they'll drop it down to five once pros decide which hard points they like? I think so.
3: Like I, I think about um, was it Crossroads during Cold War where an, they dropped one hill. I believe it was a five hill map and went down to a four hill map or something like that. Or at least they yeah. redesigned the hills once they weeded things out. Um, but I, I think that they'll end up. Finding uh, the viable hills, and I think it'll it'll definitely change. I, I can't imagine them playing that state of that map uh, in the CDL uh, per yeah. se. It's it's like... not even sorry. Just from like a, a a spectator standpoint, even like it's a lot more to follow. Being like, whoa, we're rotating to P seven now. That's just <laughs> a, that is a lot to follow in a game that I think one of our benefits is how simple it can be at times. Uh, it's fluid but a spectator you can hop in and watch a lot easier than like league of legends so yeah. let's uh not overcomplicate
1: things yeah no i mean if you look at mw19 too though there was a lot of maps that had more than five hills right at launch yeah actually, that's true right and it's like once comp comes along like they're gonna tweak it like yeah. that's the thing um, so I mean, I think we can see some of those maps still stay in the rotation. Honestly, I hope there's more than five five hardpoint maps. Uh, like there is five hardpoint maps, or yeah, well, right now, obviously. Yeah, but yeah. on this graphic, at least, right, we had uh, we have Fortress hardpoint, which was hardpoint. We have Hotel for hardpoint. We had Crown Raceway for hardpoint, Alessio for hardpoint, uh, Mercado and Farm. That gives mm-hmm. us six hardpoint maps. I would love for us to play six hardpoint maps. I'm being honest. Um, like it just makes things better. Makes things better for vetoes too, man. I do not want another year of vanguard where it's like, what's the map set? We're playing Tuscan. We're playing Tuscan Berlin. Tuscan. It's like, yeah, Okay. So what's what's the next what's the next rotation for our, what's the next map set for the game after this one? Berlin Tuscan Berlin. I'm like, dude, I don't want to watch the same maps over and over and over again. Yeah. Like, give me something different.
2: Like I don't disagree, some variety would help, and especially bring in some more viewership, because I know watching those streams like, yeah, streams are exciting, and watching competitive cods is exciting, but when you watch the same maps over oh, and over, mm-hmm. it, everyone's turning off the stream, that affects viewership, that affects this, that affects that. like yeah, that's probably also a contributing factor to why college Cod saw decreased viewership over time. People don't want to watch the same maps a thousand times over and see the same results like control on um why am i drawing a blank no airplane
1: oh uh checkmate yes checkmate
2: control on checkmate spawn trap haven like who wanted to watch that no one (laughs) like it's the most boring thing to watch so definitely bringing some more variety into the game would be great and maybe some smaller maps some of these maps are kind of huge
1: yeah, facts. That's kind of why I like Mercado. It's like it's a smaller like uh, map based off like uh, a Mexican kind of like mm-hmm. marketplace. Yeah. And I think it kind of works really well. I mean, I played S and D on the map as well, like in a three v three, and it's like, I mean, I think it flows well at least in that sense. Um, I kind of like a lot of the map, so I will say like I feel like we're kind of getting back to traditional three lane maps. Like even if you look at like uh, the border crossing map, like it, it as bad as people say it is, like. You have you have three lanes to go down until you really like uh, at least in each of the spawns like you have three ways to go, and then you get to the middle of the map. Um, right dead center in the middle is a bus on each side that blocks off that middle lane, and you can either go left or right. Um, and you can also use those tunnels on the left uh, or right depending on what side you're on, and kind of uh, try and make your way up the side into the middle or spawn. So it's like I think they're. Tr- the the map layouts they seem bad but uh, or maybe even the map design seem bad but the actual layout itself from like an mm. eagle's view like i i think they're getting better like they it's better than bocage at least um less ma uh less windows this year less doors like i'm not everywhere i'm going i'm not turning and bashing in a door like and getting my ankles snapped when i'm trying to run around the map it's it's nice in that comparison yeah. i'd say Maybe, sorry,
3: no, you go,
2: Eric. All you. I was
3: was gonna give a segue out of this, so um, just a little bit of a segue. Do we think that with the map layout and then also uh, the lack of advanced movement, more of like a smooth gunplay type game, do we think that uh, the CCL league that has a pretty big disparity, do you think that skill gap's gone up or gone down? Like, do we think that there's going to be closer matches? or do we think that um, the top from the bottom is going to be separated even more with the type of game that we're playing?
1: Anyone want to take that
2: one first? That's a hard question. Um...
4: I think, I, I'm not sure Like, if I have a strong opinion on if it will or won't be similar. Mm. Um, I think it the gameplay will be different because especially how much of an impact sound makes right now. Because mm-hmm. um, you're not going to, it's much harder to just eagle chow, you know, you know, style on someone with your movement. Whenever you know you, they can hear everything happening.
2: Yeah. So,
4: and you don't have those like movement options anymore. So, I think like it may not necessarily come down to, oh, this team is better than this team, but because or you know these teams are closer together because of you know the the difference in mechanics. But it's going to become more of a which teams adapt better to a relatively slower gameplay style mm-hmm. because it does it does and i feel i have a feeling it's going to end up playing slightly more similar to more tactical shooters yeah not not quite the like counter-strike or rainbow six slow like play styles but it's going to be slower than like cold war or uh even you know like a black ops
2: 4 yeah i honestly think exile summed it summed out best in the chat like teams that you saw just going for kills and slaying out they're going to struggle if they don't have the fundamentals down because this game is going to be based on fundamentals based on your rotations because you can't run that fast the movement isn't the fastest so you really got to make sure you're locking down those hills get hitting those rotations doing everything you need to do so we might see those teams who kind of lack those fundamentals lack those understanding of the game sh- struggle this year or have some trouble getting started off
3: yeah yeah I think at the end of the day it's it's always gonna be like it's it's the CCL where like the top teams are gonna be the top teams yeah. and then I think the middle tier is probably where you see uh some of those changes more so where mm-hmm. there's teams like uh wrapping it into to Canada like Fanshaw last year I found was a team that maybe didn't have the, uh, like, most talented roster, but they won games because they were, like, so fundamentally sound. Like, yep. they thought the game through really well as a team, and I could see a team like that doing really well in the CCL if they uh, if they just play as a unit more so. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a, a really
4: good point by by Daniel there.
1: Yep, I yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, the, uh, I
4: think... How they adjust the headshot multiplier is going to make a difference, too.
1: Hundred um, yep. percent.
4: As it gets even more tactical, if they reduce the headshot multiplier and the time to kill becomes much longer. Yeah, I think. Um, do
2: you think the time to kill is too fast right now? What are your opinions on that? Yeah, I think it's way too fast. I think like they could slow it down. I don't know, man.
1: Like, like, like you gotta, you gotta remember what we're playing now, right? Like the machines we're playing on. Like we're not playing on three sixties anymore, right? Uh, it's yeah. the time to kill. Seemed slower back then because we we're playing on sixty hertz, man. Like we now, we're we're all playing on two forty hertz. We're playing on these machines that are absolute monsters, right? Like we got forty nineties and people on forty nineties now, like They're on spaceships. If, yeah. it literally, like that's the thing. Like shout out to Impact as much as it <laughs> for real. Shout out Jaden Impact, but nah, he's uh the thing with that is just yeah, like it. The time to kill seems very fast, but I feel like because that also just comes with the upgraded tech that we have nowadays, too. But, right? like,
2: even if we look back to, like, Cold War, Cold War's time to kill was way slower than Vanguard. And no, Vay- our,
3: our our issue isn't time to kill, though. I think our issue is healing. I think you heal way too slow okay I. I like, yeah healing I to is able very to slow quicker yep. is my issue it's like i think it's fine to kill but like if i have to wait like five six seconds to be able to get back to full health to
4: reach out a gunfight it's just yeah like, and, oh,
1: and you're just getting it. once you get tagged up bro they're chasing oh, they're your ass. They're, they're running at you in. yeah 100%. and without
4: movement it's hard to outplay
2: yeah that's exactly. the thing because yeah. the movement's so simple now like a dolphin dive gets you nowhere because it takes so long to get up from that You can slide, but then it takes five years to get out of your fucking slide into a run. Like, the only thing you can do, really, is sprint and melee every time you want to keep sprinting. And that's the only way to, like, speed up your movement. And that's not the way, I don't think. But anything's better than slide canceling.
4: I also would be a fan of a longer time to kill as in, in general... I mean, this this is definitely gonna be a controversial opinion, uh, especially in shooters. But I think longer time to kill games require more skill, just because you have you have to be more consistent in your mm-hmm. aim for a longer amount of time. You don't really have to have consistent aim if you hit one headshot, one body shot, and they die. Yeah, uh, no, you, you, that's I agree that's on that. almost more just getting lucky than actually killing someone. But if you have a long time to kill, you have to actually have good aim and tracking and keep on the target. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because of that, it allows for more outplay potential. Um, now, obviously, like movement's still limited, but if it's a longer time to kill, you have more of a chance to turn on someone, um, you know, mess up their aim, dodge, get behind cover, etc. There's a lot more. You have you have more options when you're not getting too bulleted.
1: Yeah. So I'm gonna segue from all that now, and I'm gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go into uh, talking about the uh, MW2 launch open. Uh, we can kind of talk about. Well, I'm gonna talk about a little bit uh what daniel was saying as well like uh teams that are trying to kill a lot more and just slay out and kind of not use their brain bump their, TDs, <laughs> and not, bump yeah, their not stats. To to, uh, the <laughs> fundamentals of things are the teams that are going to suffer right um we have a few clips here as well but one of the things i've seen like in the mw2 uh launch uh launch party for that the college cod hosted we had like uh red chase he was absolutely gunning uh this past weekend. It, at least this first map I'm watching, I'm like, damn, they're up a hundred points. This man's already got like twenty-eight, I think it was. Um and his team though was definitely like suffering a little bit, like on the slaying side of things. Um which was hurtful in the end because uh that a hundred point lead ended up getting down to I think it was like 235 to like 240 at the end of the thing, and uh, his three teammates had to kind of pick it up, and obviously they had to start calming a little bit more because some was going on in that team where they their lead just started to dissipate, and even though uh, Red Chase was like I think 33 and like 14 or whatever, um, their lead was just leaving like they and he couldn't do anything about it. The kid was absolutely tearing everyone else apart on the other team, but the other team across the board when you actually looked at like their stats was just more consistent uh, in their kills. I mean, mind you, Red Chase's team ended up winning, um, but merely only by, I think, about 12 points when there was like an initial 100-point lead. Um, Yeah, I I mean, off that too, like we had teams like Draco uh, from Texas State. Man was running the SCAR. Like you guys said, hella fast time to kill. You can see some of the clips that are going on right now. Red Chase going on a spree. We got Draco with his two peas. This time to kill. He was he was moving different a little bit. Some of these games, I will say, uh, the kid was moving. Uh, he was playing with Red Chase. His first game with him, he went forty-six and sixteen. Like, uh,
4: Wait, yeah, man. Me,
3: sorry, correct me if I'm wrong here, Paint, but that duo also won the two v two tournament that you guys hosted. Right? Yeah, I mean, Red, Red Draco
4: and Red Chase? Or? Red Chase and Draco were nasty the entire day. Yeah. They they won most of the uh eights that they were playing that they were together on, and they also yeah. won the two V two. And it just the two V two was not close. They they steamrolled the entire bracket.
3: Yeah. I mean it's it's early game. I still think uh like Gunny obviously is go, gonna reign supreme at the start of the game when you're still figuring out the maps, but I think uh, some experienced players in the CCL who've obviously been in those situations before and just obviously have a, an overall pretty high game sense. Uh, that's going to go a pretty long way. Like uh, coming up now, we have the the launch open that's going to be the the first event of the MW2 season where we have uh, teams formally pl- formally playing under their schools. Yeah, uh, and I think you're going to see a, a lot of those teams that uh have the the veterans on their team but also have a, a good balance of gunny are gonna gonna reign supreme for sure.
1: Yeah no shout out to, to honorable mention to uh Ryuga uh from Rutgers he uh he was playing pretty well throughout that tournament too. Uh the man was going on some sprees. This man's moving I've seen that bro in twenty twenty one, uh when I was still in with college Cod, like he I seen that kid look for eights all the time in the CCL Discord. grinding go so, up uh, Props to him as well. I mean, that's the thing, though. I mean, he's looking good on this game, at least. Like, he's got movement, Um, even though it's a game that is really dependent on gun skill, I'd say, uh, more so than anything. And, yeah, he's just fluid movement over everything, which is good. Correct me if I'm wrong. Non-Varsity program, I think, too,
3: right? He goes to, to yeah. Rutgers. Pretty Rutgers, sure they yeah. were one of the top ranked, at least, uh, of the non-Varsities last year. So, mm-hmm. uh, shout out Rutgers, I guess.
1: But yeah, I mean, uh, I'd say that's that's about it. I'd say we wrapped it up for the night. Uh, we've gone for basically an hour and fifteen, hour and twenty yeah. without our intro in there and everything else. Um, before I, we sign I, off, I
4: throw out one question. Yeah, for yeah, sure. sure, for sure. Cool. So the the launch party that we did this last week. I don't know how much like y'all got to watch the broadcast and such. Good, bad, ugly thoughts. This is the first time we've done something like this. What do y'all think? Uh my
3: my only thought was that. I didn't know what my motive to watch was without like having like a tournament structure. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel like uh, I agree. college cod. I think about competition, and so like when I saw that there was a two v two tournament, that part got me interested more so. But when uh, like the rest of it was going on, and they were more like bouncing between players playing like eights and things like that, it was uh not as much for me. Uh, but I, I, I like to see more community engaging events all throughout the season, so I can't complain. It, it doesn't have to be for me, necessarily. Seems like you had a, a good amount of people who were interested in playing and participating, so.
1: Yeah. I'd say more so than, like, uh, the 2v2, I would have liked to see, like, some 3v3s, for sure. I think 3s is always better um, than 2s, at least. I know, of like, playing before, like, uh, AM at least. 2s, you can kind of just send one person to sit back and then the other one can run right up mid or try and hit a flank every time, and if the other team's just sticking together and you know what they're doing, it's a little easy to try and, I don't know how to say it, correct, but it's just less fundamentals in a 2v2 than I'd say in a 3v3. The guy um, who's
3: talking right now just won a border crossing only tournament the other day, so hey, chill, I don't chill, know, chill, don't, chill, don't chill, chill. into <laughs> that one all that much. Chill, chill, I'm chill, not chill. sure. <laughs> <laughs> bro, right. I,
1: I played that map for seven hours straight, and I bro, I don't think I ever want to touch that map again that's horrible i ran into ion shady on that
3: map and I, and I i sunned my my captain of the western cod team and man, man.
2: all i remember yeah, is Priestley and sauce ran into conundrum one day in snd and he absolutely ran them both he, no he, he sent he sent the screen Nah, i'm gonna continue to gas I'm up this kid gonna he's, he's like... gonna hey, he's gonna go into he's gonna try and play um play some uh ams this year see how it turns out for him but always gonna guess that kid he's volunteering his time to coach our team so greatly appreciate that 100 percent.
1: but no nah, i think uh launch open though i think it's a good idea for sure mm-hmm. i like it i like seeing just random teams of guys kind of just thrown together and seeing how they play with other individuals like i mean it's kind of a testament to your skill right like i yeah. mean even though it's early in the game like if you can consistently beat all those leaderboards playing against just about anyone, um, that's what matters, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, but yeah. Cool. With yeah. that being said, it's been a it's been a night. It's been a long night. Uh, before we sign off, I'll let every one of you guys say your piece. Uh, say thank you, but to everyone in the chat, uh, to our all of our followers, I believe we got. Let's see, what we got here. We got twenty four followers off our Damn. first podcast. Really appreciate uh, like, Yeah, really appreciate all you guys following. Um, we're going to follow this uh, MW2 launch bracket, open bracket this weekend. Um, and we'll see how that goes. We can talk about that next week more in depth and uh, the players that kind of, who showed up and who didn't. And if you guys didn't know actually as well, then Dylan, if you want to just pull it up, we'll plug it in the chat as well. Yeah. College COD, registration is open. Kids, Go and register for the season come on go play go play in the main league go get your money and uh that's all for me tonight boys uh if y'all want to say your piece and we'll head out
3: yeah i just want to say uh thanks to all who came out for the first app. uh not every episode is going to be so structured and have so many questions or have such a a guest with uh such an abundance of knowledge a lot of the time it's just gonna be us shooting the shit and so yeah uh We we will have some creative topics for the next couple of weeks, uh, especially having to hold us over until the start of the actual season. So mm-hmm. that launch open will go a long way. I'd love to follow some of the CCL guys that are playing in Challengers. That starts up in two weeks as well. Um, and then uh, a lot of Canadian-centric things. Uh, I think we're talking about doing some gear lists and talking about the rankings and, and all that that we've been going through. So uh, just, just keep coming back here and... Uh, appreciate everyone who who came out here and showed some love all
2: right i'm gonna throw out one question because i promised a guy i'd ask him on stream uh jason what are your thoughts on gunfight tournaments this year
4: uh, we were i i was wondering if this was gonna get brought up i want to do gunfight stuff um it's really just a matter of figuring if we can figuring out if we can fit it into everything else that we're doing um that was that was the name of the game last year was mm-hmm. we had you know, 80 things we wanted to do and we only had the, the manpower and time and energy and money to do 30 of them. So I, I would love to. It's just a matter of figuring out if we
2: can. Alright Sauce, there's your answer. Um, <laughs> uh, I just want to thank everyone for coming out. Uh, it's been a trip with these two guys the past month or two, getting everything set up and ready to go for this night and it's something special to be able to launch it and have such great success. So we appreciate everyone for coming out and we hope you continue to tune in. If you haven't already, be sure to follow below, hit the notification bell for our next stream, and also follow our Twitter at Extra Credit. And we will be this podcast will be on Twitch, it will be on YouTube, and all streaming platforms as well. Uh, so you're able to listen to it as you walk to class, as you zone out of a lecture, as you don't feel like scrimming, or as you eat so please watch and support us and continue to support us because we appreciate it and uh we are just trying to bring some recognition to collegiate cod and uh esports in canada so
1: oh yeah we're gonna be on spotify baby yes sir (laughs) jason you're basically taking us out of here i'll I'll say a little
4: bit after you're done but uh not much well yeah thank you for having uh having me uh don't listen to dylan pay attention to your classes You know, don't, don't get kicked Back. out of CCL for not paying attention. Yes,
2: no, please. School comes first.
3: <laughs> Unless you play Western this week. <laughs>
2: <laughs> then school, then here.
3: Yeah, All right, so, lads.
4: Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I enjoyed talking about, like, some of the stats and giving an, in, like, in-depth look um, into into things and reasoning and why. Um, it's definitely a complicated, uh, a lot of different complicated topics and subjects that's hard to hash out on Twitter comments. So. Yeah, definitely love doing stuff like this and we appreciate oh, yeah.
2: everything you do um and what college cod does for the community to have a league that we can play cod in that is structured that has support and everything inclusive because we know with other leagues we've lacked that in the past and the transparency is always appreciated and we appreciate you coming on here and being able to explain your side of things and kind of letting everyone know what's going on in the in the background of the ccl
4: yeah doing doing our best it's uh we've kind of hit the the size where it's impossible to like please every single person yeah every especially with so many different teams and schools and Mm -hmm. regions and players but doing doing our best to to service as many many players and bring broadcast and cool formats and ideas and things to as many teams as we can
1: oh yeah one last thing what's everyone's guess on how many teams are in the league league this year (sighs) maine and academy together
3: convoluted because like you just have to could you not just sign up for like the third qualifier and not the rest or do you have to register at the start of the season and play
4: all the way through so register you can register at the start of the season and then opt in to qualifier one or two one and two Mm -hmm. Um, but if you're late you can still sign up for opens the opens even after like that registration closes Mm -hmm. um so it's comprehensively i'm thinking something like 250 main 90 to 100 academy that, that's Jesus. that's my that's my ballpark
2: i was Jesus. gonna say 300 uh, teams total that was my guess so probably probably like 220 main and i'd say like a good 60 60-ish uh, a like cad i don't think a cad's gonna be that much this year not to be harsh but because there's no prize pool a lot of players might try to make it to the main team or schools might only roster a main team but like yeah. for us at the, at the University of Windsor, we're going to try, obviously, always put out a, another team and an ACAD team is always great because you never want to exclude kids from being able to play the game they love. So,
1: yep. My total number is 247. I don't care about how many main <laughs> or academy teams are 247 in total. That's it. That's all I got.
4: That would be Other less than, than last year.
1: Really? Yeah, oh, it was two uh, <laughs> two 277.
4: 277. Yep. That's, that's close. Slightly more we had 195 main and then it was like 60 academy so we were if i remember correctly
0: yeah
2: let's hope western canada represents a little more too this year
1: i'm going 278 just so i can one-up dawson so (laughs) (laughs) all right lads uh anyone who's watching if you want to be a guest on extra credit uh reach out to me dylan or eric uh once again thank you very much to uh son of paint jason for coming on today Uh, Obviously, like Eric said, it's not going to be as structured, uh, but we had Jason on here and we got to make sure there's a little bit of structure for this man's life. Um, I love love my stats. Yeah, he might might kill us, honestly, (laughs) um, if if we start going rogue. But uh, hopefully everyone enjoyed the first episode. Uh, You'll be able to find us on all the streaming platforms after this. And uh, yeah, the rest of you guys, have a wonderful friggin' night. Goodbye. See you guys.
4: Have a good
0: night.